Welcome back to another episode of the Big Footy Podcast, brought to you by Big Footy. A rather perplexing performance from the Pies on Sunday against the Power. You can certainly take it a couple of different ways, and we'll dissect that. But ultimately, it was a disappointing one-point loss in the end, our second one-point loss for the season. And I mean, you, you take those one-point losses you know, against good opposition, Port on Sunday and Brisbane, I think, back in round three. You take those and... We turn them into wins, and all of a sudden we're four and six, and it's not all doom and gloom, that's for sure. But obviously a massive week in the AFL this week with COVID rearing its ugly head again in Victoria. So shout out to any Victorians out there that are listening to this. Hope you're going okay uh, in what is obviously a difficult time. So uh, it's obviously meant that a lot of AFL footy has been rescheduled this weekend uh, or moved uh, to a different state or whatever else. But fortunately... The Pies and the Cats Saturday afternoon remains at the 1.45 time slot, remains at the MCG. It's just unfortunate that we won't have the Pies faithful there to cheer the boys on. Otherwise, let's get into the rest of the episode. Little knock down side bottom, helped it on Hoskin Elliott. Quick kick out of the pack once again, O'Lear defended brilliantly. But they've stuck it, Fern Jones has stuck it down the throat of Polter. Hasn't taken a long time. To get Collingwood within a point from 30 metres out. It's coming back, coming, coming. He's got it. The young man kicks his first goal. So if we look back at Sunday's loss to the power, I think there's two alternative ways you can look at this. And the first one is that, I mean, we got within one point of what I believe is a top six team in the competition, potentially top four. They're currently fifth at the moment, just behind third and fourth on percentage so to get that close against a good team and to probably should have won the game uh, if I look at all the stat lines we probably should have won the game and I like the fact that I think we played a different style now a lot of people would see it on face value as the same old boring low scoring lacking firepower Collingwood that we've seen so far this season but I actually Apart from the scoreboard aspect, uh, I, I kind of disagree with that. I mean, the scoreboard says, yes, we only kicked eight goals. And I guess the pessimists out there will say, well, we kicked three goals in the first quarter. Looked really good. Had a, what, 20-point lead at quarter time. Had then a 15-point lead at half time, And then just lacked any kind of forward threat in the second half. Kicked just, Well, I mean, we kicked four goals in either half. But two of those goals in the second half came in the last two or three minutes when we got behind. So... I mean, the pessimists out there will just say, yeah, same old Collingwood, boring, laborious style with a real lack of offensive threat uh, and offensive potency, you know, relaying into a score of 8, 10, 58. And with a score of 58, you're not going to win too many games of footy. I tend to, I've I've looked at both angles and I think both angles have a a fairly valid uh, argument uh, to it. But the more I think about it, the more I think... It's a positive. It's a step in the right direction. And to those that think, oh, it's the same old Collingwood, same style, lacking offensive threat. Well, I get that from a uh, from a scoring point of view. We only kicked eight goals, again, for the game. But if you just have a look at the general style of play, I mean, throughout the 10 games so far this season, that includes the uh, Sunday's loss to the power, the Pies are minus 19.6 disposals per game. Uh, against their opponent. So uh, on average, the opponent has 19.6 disposals more each game. And also 19.5 down in marks per game, which is, that's a massive differential. Now, if we look at the game on Sunday, I mean, we 
changed a game plan a little bit to be more controlling of the footy. And we had 418 disposals to 343. That included the contested possession and the uncontested possession, 137 to 127 in the contested possession, plus 10. Uncontested, 282 to 206. And marks, 138. We had 138 marks for the game and 99 uh, for the power. So a plus 39 differential there. I mean, I guess the, uh, the pessimist view is, well, all those marks don't really relate to anything when the marks inside 50 go 10-7 to the power at the end of the day. But, I mean, we won the clearances as well, both around the ground and center clearances. So statistically, I just thought we dominated every aspect. We won the inside 50s by three, which, again, for the amount of differential and disposal we had is maybe slightly disappointing but we did win the inside 50 so to win the disposals win the marks win the inside 50s win the disposal efficiency whilst doing that i mean efficiency inside 50 are only down three percent we have more free kicks i i actually thought in the first half we got it's not often i say this i'm normally on the other side but i actually thought we got a fair run with the umps in the first half uh, it's not usual that i say that uh, and p- potentially plenty of pies fans may disagree with me with that but I thought we we had a fair run. Uh, clearances, as I said, we won easily. Contested and uncontested possession. It was just the marks inside 50 that we really trailed and the tackles, but, I mean, we had the ball majority of the time. So, I don't know. It's it's I look at all that and think we should have won the game. And to me, losing the game is disappointing, yes. But if you look at the process of it, I think statistically we should have probably won the game. Uh, and, I mean, we led for the majority of it. The port didn't get in front until, what, the last, you know, 10 minutes to go or so. Really ran away with it, got up 13, and that's when we kind of changed our style of play around. And I guess that's the other frustrating thing from a Collingwood fan is you get down 13, it's kind of you need to be more attacking to get back in the game and have any chance. And you actually do that, and you kick a couple of goals and look at what happens. But I don't know. I It was clearly a, a ploy to play a, a kick-mark game, uh, particularly from the back half, and just basically set up defensively, use that mark kick game as kind of a defensive style of play to set up defensively. And it really stifled Port Adelaide going forward for basically the majority of the game until maybe late in the third, early fourth quarter kind of thing. But if you look at the disposals, the disposal count, it's really the defenders. I mean, Taylor Adams on return, 29 disposals, side bottom 27. But then if we, you know, obviously two midfielders, but if we have a look at the rest, Quainer 26, Chris 26, although... Probably playing more midfield. Main off a halfback, flank back pocket kind of thing. 25. Darcy Moore, 25, including 15 marks. Main had 13 marks as well. Uh, Grundy, Ruckman. I thought Brody Grundy was absolutely excellent. I thought Laddams was good as well. I thought that that battle in the ruck was really fantastic. I like Laddams as a young Ruckman, and I hope he gets probably more opportunity going forward because they obviously they got life set to come back from suspension. But I thought that was a great battle. I mean, I thought Brody won it. Uh, 23 disposals, 33 hitouts, two goals. Like that's a complete game from a ruckman. But I thought Laddams more than held his own, especially around the ground. Uh, but then going back to the defenders' disposals, Noble 23, Roughhead 21, even Maynard 20, and even like Tommy Wilson 17. So it was clearly a kick mark game from the back half to try and then set up defensively, defensively, and make it really difficult uh, for Port to score. And I guess at the end of the day. You know, it's really what would you rather a defensive style of game where we are in it up to our eyeballs, you know, late in the fourth quarter and then obviously get a one point loss, or would you rather 
a more attacking, entertaining style of play where we lose 110 to 90 or something. Well, I'll, I, I prefer to be in the game of footy. I mean, if if I had it, you know, my way, I'd win games. We'd obviously win games of footy and be entertaining and win games 100 to 70 kind of thing. But that's not where we're at at the moment, unfortunately. And I do understand that Bucks is in a position now where he needs to try and keep his job. And to keep his job, he needs to win games of footy. And at the moment, we lack experienced talent out in the field. Now, we have talent out in the field, and there's some experienced talent out there. You get Adams back, obviously, for one week. Unfortunately, he's out again this week. We'll go through that soon. Uh, but Sidebottom's there, Crisp's there, you know, Grundy, Darcy Moore, Pendles. Pendles is playing a weird role, just the 18 disposals, just continuing to play that half-forward role, but he's not really having the impact. Uh, he, he had an impact a couple of weeks ago when he first did against North, and I think he, he still leads the league in goal assists, which is still remarkable, but he's clearly not getting as much of the footy, and as a supporter, I always feel most comfortable when the footy is in Scott Pendlebury's hands. But, uh, yeah, clearly clearly a perplexing game, I guess, and, and certainly one where you could have two different arguments on, on how you come away from that game, whether you think that the Pies were pretty good and were probably unfortunate not to win against a pretty good team, or you can look at it from a style of, you know, we, we only kicked eight goals again. You're not going to win many games of footy kicking eight goals. So, as I said, I can understand why Bucks is doing it. He's trying to keep his job. And the lack of experience, talent out there, uh, as I mentioned, there's a few out there, uh, as I mentioned before, but there are a lot of young kids out there. And there are a lot of young kids with talent. And... I thought a couple of our best players... I mean, Caleb Poulter, absolutely outstanding on Sunday. 22 disposals, 12 marks, and that goal at the end, just the way he calmly went back, got got a you know an experienced head on his shoulders there. Uh, he's going to be a, a massive player for the Collingwood Footy Club. But, you know, sky's the limit with him. And I was thinking after the game, I was like... Um, because the previous day, I'd watched a bit of uh, Tom Phillips playing for Hawthorne, and... I just thought to myself, Caleb Poulter's already Tom Phillips. Like, they're, they're basically the same player. They're left-footed wingmen, you know, run hard. You know, Caleb Poulter's probably a better kick. I, I just think that when I look back at that, I think getting Caleb Poulter for pick 30, yes, we gave Phillips away for, you know, nothing. But to shed his, you know, 550, 600K salary, to get Poulter in on 100K or whatever, basically, you know, rookie salary, I think that's a great move because, to me, Poulter is Tom Phillips already. He might even be better than Tom Phillips already. And I'm being genuinely serious about it. Tom Phillips has not set the world on fire at Hawthorne whatsoever. I don't know how much you guys have been following him, but he's been just average, I guess. Kind of the same player we saw at the you know the last you know last season for the Pies. Certainly not his you know, high-class form of 2018, 2019 kind of thing. But Caleb Poulter's already about his level, and Caleb Poulter's clearly got a much higher ceiling. So I think that's what the club is going for when they trade away the likes of Trelaw and, and Phillips and Stevenson, was, was thinking, well, can we get some young guys in who can be, you know, a similar level to them uh, and obviously have a higher ceiling? Now, it's hard to replace Adam Trelaw straight away. That's not going to happen. So and it's hard to replace Jaden Stevenson. And, and that was why I disagree with the Stevenson one because he still had a, a high ceiling. But, I mean, you look at the Phillips one, you think Poulter's come in and basically done the same job straight away. I think that's a massive, massive win. So Caleb Poulter, very good. Bo McCreary, 
again was was very good. I mean, he he didn't get a whole lot of the footy, just eight disposals, but three goals. He always tends to have a habit to just pop up in the right places and get on the end of a few. And I mean, to kick three out of our eight is a really good effort. And often, you know, he often kicks like goals from the goal square and stuff. And often people might think, well, he's just getting Joel the goose over the top ones kind of thing. Like he's not really doing a whole lot. But I tell you, there's an, actually an art. There's an art to getting in the right spot at the right time, being able to finish, you know, chains of play off, uh, whether it be you know, 40 out from goal or, you know, two metres out from goal. There's an art to that and, and being able to read the play. So for me, that's a massive positive. Him and Polter have clearly been the two massive positives uh, for the uh, the whole season so far. I mean, just the forward line. Again, with the kick mark game from, you know, the back line through the midfield, it's difficult to actually, you know, perform well as a forward. But, I mean, McCreary, eight disposals. Yes, he kicked three goals, so impressive. But to go in nine disposals, Cameron, nine disposals. Myacek, 11 disposals. Thomas, 13. The Brown Boys, 13. I mean, it's just really hard to play up there uh, at the moment. And although the game style was slightly different in, in general play on Sunday, it, uh, it still was difficult to play as a Collingwood forward. That's for sure. But uh, up next, we'll get into Saturday afternoon's game against the Cats, what changes we're going to see, uh, and hopefully maybe an upset victory away and then kicks to half forward Didak in a one on one and then Lee Brown bursting forward and then with a ball burst at a full forward it's bounced a long way oh, he's a magician that's not the Lee Brown we used to know when I think of our greatest moments against Geelong in my lifetime I always think back to that Lee Brown goal in uh, 2010, I was, what, 13 years of age. And when that happens, the ball goes at right angles and goes through in the first quarter. You just know it's going to be a good night. Uh, and it obviously was. Uh, won that game very comfortably and then had to wait another two weeks, I guess, after the draw to uh, finally get that premiership success. But what a great year 2010 was. But on to round 11, 2021, here against the Cats on Saturday. And first up, we'll get into the changes that have been made. Technically, four of them. So the ins. Uh, first of all, massive congratulations. Another debutant, Trent Bianco. It's been coming for a couple of weeks now. He's been highly credentialed in the preseason. Uh, had some injury issues. Had two games back in the VFL. Looked really impressive. And that's all he needed. Obviously, the uh, the VFL team had a buy on uh, on well, last weekend. Sorry. Uh, so he didn't actually get to play, but still he comes in, uh, and I actually was surprised he didn't get in last week, to be honest. I brought him into my fantasy team in anticipation that he would get a game in the next couple of weeks, uh, and so here we are. He's got one this week, so congratulations to him. Named in a forward pocket, which is not where he'll play, but anyway, uh, should be a nice halfback uh, midfield type for us moving forward. Uh, I spoke about, I think, last week's episode, Obviously, highly credential in terms of leadership as well. Was captain of the Oakley Chargers with Matt Rowell and Noah Anderson and whatnot in their under-18 years. So, massive congratulations to him and looking forward to seeing him play. The other two, Jack Madgen and Braden Sire, are in the team. Uh, Madgen, I spoke about him a couple of episodes ago. Look, I don't mind him as a player. Uh, I just don't see where the upside uh, comes from there. And if you look at the outs, I'm not sure... Who is actually replacing? Is he going to come in and play some kind of wing midfield role? I don't know because there's certainly not a defender that is in the outs there. 
Uh, and Braden Sire, well, he's we, we've heard that uh, Jordan Degoe is kind of Kmart Dusty Martin. Well, Braden Sire is Kmart Taylor Adams, really. Uh, in fact, probably not even Kmart. Probably like Wish or something like that. Chicken feed, although chicken feed only a Tasmanian thing. Reject shop, reject shop. If that makes sense. In fact, that's probably a bit disparaging to Braden Sire, but he's had a poor year. I thought with Trelaw being out, he was one that would be able to step up, uh, have the opportunity to uh, to improve, and he was given the opportunity. He hasn't really taken it with two hands. So he comes back in, though, obviously clearly with Adams being out, uh, which is a story in itself, really. How ready to go was he in uh, last week? Did they rush him back? I think they did. I think they just missed him so much that they rushed him back slightly. Whose fault that is? It the coaching staff? Obviously, Buck's trying to keep his job. Is it the uh, <clears throat> the rehab guys? It's probably the rehab guys. And Taylor seems like a guy to me that just absolutely loves footy and he bleeds for the Collingwood Footy Club and he wants to be out there and try and help us win. And I totally respect him for that. Uh, but maybe as <clears throat> maybe as a uh, a vice captain of the footy club, he had a bit more say in actually telling the coaching staff and telling. The, uh, the trainers and whatnot, that, yeah, I'm good to go, when he potentially wasn't. And he obviously kind of re-injured it in the first quarter, played through, and actually played pretty well. Um, but obviously it's going to be interesting and something that you'll have to manage moving forward. Hopefully it's just the one week, but absolutely who knows at this stage. I think he said on radio in the week that it's probably never going to be 100% for the rest of the year. Whether that means he comes back and plays kind of 95% fitness or, or, or so for the rest of the year, or whether they just wrap him up in cotton wool and make sure it's right for next year. We'll just wait and see what happens. Uh, Nathan Murphy's playing as well. He was the sub last week, which again, I was surprised that he didn't come back in after that concussion because I thought in his couple of weeks prior to the concussion, he was really, really good. So thankfully, he's back in the team. Uh, so those are the four ins, Bianco, Madsen, Sire, and Nathan Murphy. And the outs, Adams, Tyler Brown is injured. Bo McCreary has a calf. Strange is disappointing. Uh, and Josh Thomas is injured. He had his ankle uh, first quarter last week. He played on as well. That looked like a serious one, uh, syndesmosis kind of thing. So we'll wait and see what happens with that. Uh, and for the Cats, uh, they've got Max Holmes coming in. Mitch Duncan is injured. Zach Guthrie was the medical sub last week. But Duncan, a massive loss for them. He's been in some serious form so far this season. So a big loss for him there out with concussion. And what was probably one of the biggest uh, events, news events of the week, the uh, the Nick Holman tackle on Mitch Duncan getting two weeks for it, and uh, eventually he was uh, that was overturned. But wow, that was quite incredible. I don't know how the uh, the MRO came to that decision to give him two weeks for what was a perfect rundown tackle, and it was just unfortunate that Duncan hit his head and got concussed on the ground. But yeah, anyway, uh, on to what interests me in this game, uh, and what really does I think is. The fact uh, we're probably going to see, I think if the Pies have a chance of winning this game, I mean, they're well outside, they're like $4.10. But I think if you uh, if you look at the game styles between these teams, the, uh, the Cats play a similar style to how we played last week. And so it's going to be a game here where it's going to be a battle between two styles which Geelong have been playing for a whole year, and what we decide to play, whether we decide to play a kick mark game like we did last week or whether we go back to 
basically allowing the opposition to have the ball. Obviously, as I said before, we were minus, we still are minus 19.6 in disposals per game and minus 19.5 in marks. And if you decide to play that style of game, then this is going to be on Geelong's terms uh, if they are the ones to be able to control the footy. And that's what they like to do. If you look at it, disposals this year, 85.6 differential. They average 404.4 disposals a game. Concede 315.8. That is a huge differential. They just love to control the footy. And then marks 104.9 to 80.5. Differential of 24.4. So if we play a style of game like we did in you know the previous few weeks before uh, against Port on Sunday, then I think we're in trouble because Geelong are just going to own the footy. And their forward line is... Extremely talented. You know, Tom Hawkins up there, Jeremy Cameron up there, Gary Rowan, now being the third banana has hit some form. So we're going to be in real trouble if we try and play that way. So although people might have, might have found it boring and a bit frustrating on Sunday uh, against the Power, I think our best chance of winning this game of footy is to try and play like we did on Sunday, and that is control the footy, try and have more disposals, more uncontested possessions, more marks. And if that means we have to set up defensively around that then so be it and whether it has to be a low scoring game again so be it i mean it has to be a low scoring game for us to have a chance it just has to be we're not going to out out firepower them and win 120 to 110 like this is not gonna we're gonna win 100 to 90 if we're to win this game of footy we need to try and win 70 to 60 that kind of thing like it's just the way we're set up at the moment uh and yes it's disappointing and frustrating but it is what it is it's you know a sign of where we're at Sorry, at the moment, but uh, I think there is the need to try and find the right balance. And there's particular times where you can play the kick mark defensive game, and there's other times where you've got to pull the trigger. And I think that's what really frustrated Collingwood fans last weekend was the fact that there were so many times where we seemed like we were on a fast break, we'd get the ball to half forward, and the one the one time, or the one example I want to point out is third quarter, I think it was. Side bottom gets the ball, kind of centre-half forward, 60 out from goal. McCreary streaming back to the goal square. Commentators pointed out, fans are clearly up in the stands pointing it out, getting a bit agitated, and still just looks sideways. Chips it 15 metres sideways. BT goes off his nut. The fans go off their nuts. Like That's just the time where, and is it Steele's fault? Yes, I think partly, but it's also clearly ingrained to him by Nathan Buckley that they want to play a particular style of footy, and yeah, that was just, that summed up Colin Collingwood's 2021 season so far, that did, that's just the style of footy that we've been playing, a really negative, defensive, not wanting to take risks, and I mean, that, that wasn't even a risk. What you turn it over, like if he if he kicks it forward there and he you know stuffs it up and turns the footy over. I mean, ten meters out from goal. I mean, do we not back our transition defense enough to think we can't stop them the other way when they've got the ball ten meters out from their from their goal square, like from their opposition goal, sorry, defensive goal square. Like, there's got to be there's levels to this, and and you've got to f- try and find a balance between clearly wanting to play a kick mark defensive style of footy that allows us to be in games and still trying to pull the trigger and take risks when they're needed and when you're in the right position. And at the moment, we're just not taking those risks at all, to be honest. And uh, that's why we're only kicking seven, eight goals 
a week. So that's what I want to see this week. I'm happy, and I think we should play the kick mark negative style of, of game if we want to be in the contest because Geelong just love to monopolize the ball, as I said, plus 80-odd or whatever in disposals each game this season, plus 25 in marks or whatever it is. They love to do that, and so our, our best way to try and win this game is to prevent them doing that and, and playing that game style ourselves, but we need to try and find a balance between doing that and also you know, picking off some risky kicks, taking some dangerous options, and trying to be more threatening in the forward half. But we'll wait and see what happens. Looking forward to the game on Saturday afternoon. Uh, disappointing that we can't have any fans there, but I uh, hope you all enjoy the game from your couch. And potentially an upset win to speak about next week. Cheers, guys.